driving continuing education. You learn how to treat the kids, and you learn not to cross the railroad tracks with the train coming. You learn all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, but sometimes we get continuing education that has absolutely nothing to do with the bus. And this past couple of weeks, I got some of that. I'm sure Marsha did. I talked to Nicole about this, and and this was. Um, this was about uh, when you're on a computer and you're getting emails and how not to get scammed by emails uh, that are not that people are trying to defraud you of money or, or something. And uh, it was two hours worth of material. It took, there's like 15 classes of little details. And so some of the things that I learned about making sure that an email that came in did not get me into trouble was you need to be looking for the time the email was sent. If a, if a company is telling you they're gonna send you an email at 2.30 in the morning, it's probably not a legit company. Uh, the different links, this is probably the, the, the tough one. Uh, it says FedEx.com. That, that would sound legit, right? But then it would say FedEx.com.cloud or some other kind of word. So you have the main part and say, oh, I recognize FedEx.com. So I'm going to click on this. But that cloud is that extra part that says this is not a good, trustworthy source. Uh, sometimes there's poor spelling in the email. So if you're looking to not to get scammed, you might have to look at the spelling. And sometimes they're asking for information that you just don't give out. What is your PIN number? What is your social security number? And, and companies are not gonna be asking for that. So those are some of the clues to help you not to get scammed by certain emails. Now, I would have liked to have had this information a couple years ago because I got scammed by an email and it was by, I think, USPS. And it said that I had a package of a tracking number and I don't remember ordering anything, but maybe somebody sent me something. And so I opened the email, which was completely fine. But once you click this one specific picture, all of a sudden your computer is hacked, it's taken over, and somebody else now has control of it. And it's now a very big paperweight. You just chuck it. Unless you're going pay $300 or $500 to get that information back. Man is good at trying to scam people, you know, and, and we're going to be looking today at being genuine or being scammed and how we can be, scam each other, but ultimately we can't scam God. We're going to be looking at being an imitator of God as opposed to being a scam imitator of God. So let's pray and ask God's blessing on this word. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you have taught me in this and just for the importance of making sure that I'm living a life worthy of the gospel that I have received. I just pray that God, as I have the opportunity to speak these words, that it is not my words that are heard. Even if I say something else, let your words only be heard because that's what really matters. Please convict us, God. If we are a genuine uh, imitator of you, let that be good. And if we are not, let us not leave today continuing uh, that scam imitation. Please bless the words that I say and bless our ears to hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So the two we're going to be looking at today is the genuine imitation of God and the scam imitation of God. Now, an imitation, uh, to, it means to mimic, it means to follow after. You know, imitation is not always a bad thing. You know, usually you think about imitation like an imitation mink. You know, you get it for cheaper, but it's not something that when you compare the two, you say, man, that's not really what I really wanted. Uh, but when it comes to being Im imitation, that's usually a, a good 
thing. This is really how we learn things in life is by imitating. You know, I'm thinking about, I asked Caleb about this. I'm thinking about, um, uh, let me let me back up here a second. Let me read these verses first before I get into this. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1, 1 and 2. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Okay, so we are called to be genuine imitators of God. Now, imitation... Not always a bad thing. Like I said, it's how you learn. You think about this guy. If you know anything about basketball, who is this? Mike, well, I would say Michael Jordan. That's who I would have picked. But this is actually Stephen Curry. I had to look that up and get a picture of Stephen Curry. And how are you going to learn to dribble like Stephen Curry? Or how are you going to learn, learn to shoot like Stephen Curry? Uh, you imitate him. You, you watch what he does, and you get out there, and you start trying to do it. Uh, imitation. How we learn about baking a cake. You, you, you taste some food, and you go home, you get the recipe, and you start trying to do what it was that you tasted. Now, um, a couple weeks ago, we went to Kurt and Sharon's house for dinner, and we had this really, really good food. Every time we go there, it's good. But we had this, it was like a chicken spaghetti, and we went home, we got the recipe, we went home, and we tried it, and guess what we called it? It's an imitation. We are copying what we got to taste, and it was as close as we could get to the real thing. So you can imitate a recipe. You got to make sure that you have the, the right amount of sugar, the right amount of spices, the temperature is just right to get that food to taste just like that you want. I think about the people who like to copy accents. I'm not going to try to do that, but if you want to do a British accent or an Australian accent, you have to, uh, you, imit you learn that by mimicking, by imitating them. I even try to do this from time to time. I try to watch a preacher and I say, man, I like that style. I like how he, he gets excited. I like how he, he words things. And I say, I want to do that. So I am learning by imitation. Now you look at me and say, Josh, you're like no preacher I've ever heard before. <laughs> That's true. Someone can imitate me, I suppose. But if you're going to imitate somebody, say Stephen Curry, you need to do at least three different things. Okay? And you can fit this into two categories if you want to. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to observe Stephen, Stephen Curry. You've got to watch where he, how he's dribbling between his legs. You've got to watch where he jukes it and he comes back and he's shooting three-pointers, right? You've got to watch him. You've got to observe well if you're going to imitate this guy. Right? Right, Caden? i got to observe well if I'm going to imitate this. Well, sometimes, after that, I've seen it. i got to start studying. What does Stephen Curry do in a specific situation? Does he do the same juke every single time? Does he only shoot from the same point? Uh, what, what does he do in certain situations? I watched it. Now I'm starting to get a little bit closer. I'm trying to study exactly what this guy does. And all of a sudden, uh, because Daisy's here, I, I should have thrown in David Jeremiah and said that's who I could have imitated, which is completely off everything. Um, anyway, so Stephen Curry, you, you watch him, you play, watch him play the game. You, you, you zoom in, you go slow, you repeat, and you watch and say, how does this handle? How does he handle the situation? But then ultimately, what does Caden have to do if he's going to be just like Stephen Curry? 
He's going to have to do it. He's going to have to get out there and he's going to have to dribble between his legs and he's going to have to fake it and get back to the three point and he's going to have to shoot it. Yeah, exactly. She knows this. He's going to have to actually do this if he's going to develop the style. If he's going to imitate Stephen Curry to the max, he's going to have to put this into practice. Well, this verse says we need to imitate. We need to follow. We need to be just like God. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ for their, as their Savior need to mimic. We need to try to look as much like God as possible. You know, mimicking man comes naturally. You know, you think about kids as they grow up, they become like mom and dad. Now, there's this, this country song. It's called Watching You by Rodney Atkins. And if you're not familiar with it, I would, I would encourage you to look it up, uh, Watching You by Rodney Atkins. And it's about this dad is singing about he's driving down the road, and all of a sudden the, the light turns from red, it's green to red immediately. And they, they have to hit the brakes at the intersection section and all of a sudden this cute four little four four-year-old kid starts to say out a four-letter word and dad says well where did you learn to talk like that and he says dad i'm just like you ain't that cool well we dress the same we say the same kinds of words and dad's thinking oh my goodness what is my kid learning so he goes home and he bows and he goes to the barn he bows his head and he prays really hard lord please help me to help my stupid self and then he goes home uh, later that night and he goes to tuck his kid in the bed and all of a sudden he watches his kid get out and kneel beside the side of the bed and he prays he says son where did you learn to pray like that he says dad I've been watching you ain't that cool I want to be just like you and we say that's typically how things work guess why Noah and Caleb were Seahawk fans for the for the shortest time <laughs> because I was a Seahawk fan and I guarantee you Cowboy fans do the same. Or somebody. I mean, I can't only. <laughs> it cannot only be because of Seattle. You know, but we are supposed to imitate God. And people don't typically think that way. We say, man, I like that athlete. I like that preacher. I like that parent. But we should be focusing our attention to make sure that we imitate, that we mimic God as much as possible. Well, what does it mean to mimic God? What does that look like? It means, uh, and let me. It means in Ephesians chapter five, verse two. He says, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If you're going to mimic God, you're going to love other people as much or the same way that God loves you. That's what you are going to do. Uh, agape love is a pure, a willful sacrifice, uh, a, a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. I'm going to show you the love that is best for you. And that's the kind of love that Jesus showed for us. You know, that's why he went to the cross. You know, it's because we were in a predicament where we as sinners could not do anything about it. We could not make our lives right before God. And so Jesus said, I'm going to show you the highest love, which is for your good. Romans 3.23. You've heard this three million times, right, Nick? 
Right? Okay. All have sinned. We've all lied. We've stolen. We've cheated. We've lusted. We've outbursted anger. We've done something. We have all sinned. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Because I sin, I die physically. Because I sin, I am going to die spiritually. That's what. That's the state that I'm in. On my own, there's, there's just where I'm at. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. I'm in a position where I need a lot of help. And so we find this love in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us. And this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. Jesus wanted the highest good for me, which was salvation through his death on the cross. And I'm called to imitate God. I'm called to imitate that kind of love. How do I do that? Well, first of all, I have to observe that kind of love. Uh, we read in this, we can read it right here. We read the verse, we see the words, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So I'm observing, you guys are observing right now. Some of you are looking at your Bibles, some of you are just listening, but there is an intake of information. You are hearing these words, not for the first time that Jesus loves you, right? You, you get this. It's, it's pretty, pretty clear. And God, God is showing us the highest form of love that he can, and we need to do the same for other people. Okay, so I know the verse. Now, I need to, what do I need to do next? I need to study, right? I need to understand what did it mean for Jesus to come to this earth and die on the cross? Well, obviously that means pain. That means blood. That means death, right? We know you're getting on that cross. This is not a picnic. This is not something enjoyable. Jesus, when he got up on that cross, was, was with his body torn, with his skin ripped, with pain and aches and agony of every kind. He has that up on the cross. But it means more. It means that Jesus had to set aside his glory. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, Paul, uh, Paul says, Your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, he had the God nature. He said he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So when he came down to this earth, he did not act fully in God nature. So he, it says that he made himself nothing and became a, and the, took the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he gave up his humility. He gave up his uh, glory. Uh, in the Gospels, he says, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the creation of the world. So while he came to this earth, he gave that up. So I'm observing, I'm starting to study, what did it really mean for Jesus to come to this earth as a sacrifice? It meant that Jesus had to face temptation, but he never sinned. Hebrews 2.18 talks about this. Hebrews chapter 2.18 because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. But it talks about... Um, 
Verse 5, chapter Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus had to come to this earth. He had to endure temptation, 100% ignore it, not give in to it, otherwise we're sunk. Now think about the last time you faced temptation. Did you give in to it? I bet you can think over this past week, there was a temptation that I was facing that I gave in to it. I said something. I watched something. I, I outbursted in anger. I did something. And you can look and say, man, I was facing that temptation. Darren talked about in Sunday school. There's always a way out. Sometimes it's that little step to the right and you can see it. But sometimes you go far to the left and you just, it's not, you don't see that way out. But God's always providing a way out. Jesus had to say no to every single temptation so that he could be the perfect sacrifice because if he even sinned once we're in trouble James 2.10 says if you break one you've broken them all and that's what Jesus would have been guilty of had he done that so he set aside his glory so he can come to this earth he, he had to face temptation and never sin he had to endure pain he had to endure suffering but you know what he also had to endure the pain of rejection he had, he got betrayed. He had 12 apostles, 11 good men and one devil, right? Judas Iscariot turned Jesus in. That's got to hurt. Even though Jesus knows this is coming, that's got to hurt at least a little bit. And then after Jesus is up on, uh, is getting arrested, what does everybody else do? They run and they scatter. Jesus has got to be thinking, I, I just spent three years with these people. I just explained them. I did miracles. I taught them. And look what they're doing. He had to go through all that because of his love. So he could show us the highest form of sacrificial love that there is. And we're studying this and saying, man, it wasn't just about a man coming to this earth and dying on a cross. This was a perfect man who gave up everything, who was rejected, who had to feel pain. He had to take a punishment for sin that he didn't deserve. That's what Jesus had to do. And so I observed the verses. I studied and say, wow, that's incredible. That's an amazing love that Jesus had for me. So I've observed. I've studied. Now what do I need to do? I need to do it. I need to show the same kind of a sacrificial love, a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. Now I can talk about when my wife and I or my kids, my, my, Noah, you know what? When things are going great with Noah, and I'm not trying to pin him to the ground when I have no business trying to do that, right? It's easy to show love. But just think about when we're arguing or we're fighting and all of a sudden it's difficult. I don't want to show love to Noah. If I'm fighting with my wife, think about the enemy out there that I don't like. You know, and I'm called to show that same kind of sacrificial love to everybody. That might mean I'm putting somebody else first. Uh, what I feel like I deserve to be first. Being patient with difficult people. Persevering to the end. Treating people the way that I want to be treated. Genuinely showing that kind of love to other people. The genuine imitation of God as a person who shows a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires the highest good of other people. Then you have the scam imitation, the exact opposite. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7. 
It says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving, for of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And we're going to add that to our, our message next week. You know, scamming people is, is on the rise. It, it just it just people get more clever with it. They get uh, they understand computers. There's more and more vulnerable people, especially like the baby boomer age. It seems like, and not, no offense, I'm I electronically speaking, that's where I should be. Like, I'm a, I'm a paper and notebook guy. I know I know people older than me who preach from a tablet, right? You will never, ever. You can buy me a hundred tablets. I will never do that, okay? I'm a, I'm a paper and pen kind of guy. Uh, but there are there are people who are who get scammed all the time. And we watch these these shows about scammers getting caught. Um, who I don't know, I'm sure, Caleb. Who's the guy that sends these packages What's that? Mark Rober. Does that name sound familiar? He's a guy who's trying to put scammers out of business. And he sends these packages and he sends them off to these scam places. And the next thing you know, there's cockroaches running around. And there's foul smell running around. And there's all sorts of things. And he hacks. There's people who hack into the scammers' computers who are trying to hack them because they are that capable. But there's a lot of people getting scammed. You find out that there's a cancer patient getting scammed. And they feel terrible. Even though I've got cancer... I did something wrong. Someone's going to lose their job. And so they try to make it right. All the time they're getting scammed. Old people getting scammed, right? And scamming's on the rise, and they don't care who they're scamming. They'll scam anybody for a buck. Why? Because it's easier than working. Get a real job. You know, work on the computer and use it for something good. It's much more fun to scam people and get lots more money uh, in a wrong way. And there's, there's a lot of people who, who, are, who scam that way, but there's a lot of people running around the world who are scam Christians. They say, hey, I'm a Christian, but then their life doesn't reflect it. And you can fool me. I'm a, I'm a gullible person, right? You can fool me. The world can fool me and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I do all these different things, and I'm not going to know. I'm probably really not going to question it, but God is one who's not going to be fooled. And there's going to be a lot of people when they get up to heaven, they're going to think, I pulled the wool over God's eyes, or I thought it was saved, and I'm really not. And God's going to be able to say, look, I I can tell the real deal here, right? I can tell which is the genuine Christian and which is the not genuine Christian. So we're going to look at here. What's a scam at Christian look like? It shows up in your personal life, and it shows up in your public life. The scam Christian in the private life is one who has a sexual immorality. And this falls into the, the, even though this is something that you do physically with somebody else, this is something that falls into the private side because it's not something we broadcast. We don't get excited about doing this or having done this. It's something we pretty much keep quiet. But this is actually going through the motion. This is physically carrying out an illicit sexual intercourse action. Right? This is, God designed marriage to be between one man and one woman the marriage bed kept pure that's it nobody else nothing else along those lines I'm not going to say anything more I think you understand 
But the personal, that's a scam person is a person who has a sexual, does a sexual immorality. Number two, you have impurity. This is impurity of lustful, luxurious, wasteful, and wild living. This is the person who doesn't go out and physically does something. This is where it all happens in the mind. Right? Every, every sexual, every sinful, every wasteful, wild living thing happens up here. And that sounds not that bad, right? Because you look and say, wow, somebody actually did it in the mind. Nobody sees. Nobody knows. It's not really that bad. I didn't actually touch anybody. I didn't actually do anything. So really, I'm off the hook. And I'm sure uh, everybody knows, and this verse probably comes to mind, Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. This is what Jesus has to say about all of this. He says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now that lets every woman off the hook, doesn't it? Because we know women don't think like that. No, this is obviously, it, it doesn't say it specifically in Scripture, but we know that women can do it too. They can lust after a man just like a man does a woman, even though the ratio is probably like 95 to 5, right? You know it can happen, but there are women who do this. And, and Jesus is saying that because you do this, it's, it's the same as adultery in his eyes uh, as it is actually carrying it out. Now, when you think about looking and lusting, you know, it's not that, that, that passing glance. Like, oh, I saw this, and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to see this. It's when your eyes keep looking at it. You keep getting hungry for it, and you keep longing for it, uh, and you keep wanting this. You want, you're consumed by that thought. That's where it goes from, okay, I saw that, to a, a lustful situation. Um, when I used to work at camp, I was the night watchman. And that's where you go at night and you tell everybody to be quiet. Well, this is, this is really how we should. This is an example of how you should treat. When you see that woman or you see that guy, or you see that whatever it is that you want to just be consumed with, this is how you should treat it. And um, anyway, there's this, this cabin and it was full of girls. And there was a girl in there that I liked. No, it was not my wife yet. I mean, it wasn't my wife. Um, but when, when I knocked on the door, as soon as they opened the door, I went like this. Because there's a, it's nighttime. These are girls in who knows what wearing, you know. And, and so that's what I did. That's, a, that's a, immediately what I did. So they had fun with it. Every time they saw me, they went like this. <laughs> But that's what they did. They just immediately, they looked away. And that's what we should do. We try to, I try to do it myself, try to train my kids. It's going to be out there. You can't really help it. You click on that site and all of a sudden there's the ad. You're walking down the store and it's right there. And it's like just as quick as you can, bounce your eyes, get it off of there as quick as you can. Because before you know it, that looking, that casual glance can turn into lust without even, that it's so fast. You don't even know that, that it's happening. So you have the, the actual carrying out that sexual act, but you you also have this mental thing that feels a lot better because people may not know, but it's just the same. But then he also says this other word. He says greed. This overwhelming desire for something that doesn't belong to me. To long after, to try to gain. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 17, one of the Ten Commandments, right at the bottom, 
It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This is all private. This is what's happening in the mind. The scam Christian. This is what, this is kind of the lifestyle that's going on in the scam Christian's mind in the, in the privacy of what's inside. The public life. What do we see? We see the tongue. We're back to the tongue. The public life. You know, the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. These kinds of things come in there because we have put them there. And these are coming out because... Um, this is natural for us if we if we hear these things. Um, and he says, don't let these words come out of your mouth. Obscenity, filthiness, dishonorable, obscene, uh, foolish talk, mix of sin and foolishness, coarse joking, you know, making light of sensuality and immorality like it's no big deal, inappropriate, off-color, sexual, and rude, humorous way, those kinds of jokes. And you guys know what those are, right? You can hear them at school. You can, you can watch TV and you can hear these things. You probably can hear them around the office or out in the shop, right? Around the office shop. And these are the kinds of things that are coming out of the scam Christian's mouth. And he says, you shouldn't be doing these things. You should be imitating God as opposed to acting like this. Now, I look at this list and I look and say, I love y'all. And I think the world of y'all. But I know that you all are perfect. Just as I look in the mirror and say, I am not perfect either. Uh, this, this verse, this is a, a pretty scary verse. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Anybody here feeling like, uh-oh, I'm in big trouble? Right? Okay, I'm, I'm the only one who's feeling like I'm in big trouble because this has been me. At some point in my life, this is probably going to be me again. I'm not going to live a perfect life. So this, does this mean that if I've ever done these things, I can't go to heaven? No. Does this mean if I do one of these things in the next three weeks, I don't get to go to heaven? No. So what in the world does this mean? Because it sure looks like I am in big trouble no matter what. Well, our goal is to aim for perfection. Right? Well, I remember talking about the basketball kid who's shooting the free throws. He's not going to make it every time, but that's his goal. You know, my goal is to live a perfect Christian life. Even Paul, who wrote these words, said in Romans, he struggled to live the perfect life. The things that I should do, I am not doing. The things that I don't want to do, I am doing. Right? So Paul, even himself, uh, who's one of the greatest examples of a Christian life lived, couldn't do this. So we know we are not going to do this either. So what is going on? What is the difference uh, between what's the difference between the imitation of a genuine Christian and a scam Christian? Well, here's a pretty big difference. So I hope that no matter what's going on, that you're listening. So you can say, you know what? I am the genuine Christian. I am not perfect, but I'm genuine. Or you can say, uh-oh, I am the scam Christian, and I need to do something about it. Okay, so please follow along here. The genuine Christian, he feels bad. He feels remorse about what he did. He strives to be different, right? He's repentant. He's apologetic. He's remorseful. The person who, me 
has the Holy Spirit living inside of me, convicting me, telling me that, Josh, you did it again. Josh, you don't want to go that way. But when I do, I feel bad. I can't just go on about my day and say, who cares? Right? Because that's what the scam Christian does. The scam Christian doesn't really care. I can say whatever I want. Oh, well. I can do whatever I want. I can lust. I can steal. I can think whatever I want. It really doesn't matter. This person is unrepentant, unapologetic, unremorseful. That's the, the biggest difference. They both can say, I prayed a prayer. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. But the one is going to look like Jesus, is, is going to strive to go that way where the other one is not. So just take a quick inventory. Am I genuine or am I scam? Because if you're genuine, yes, you're not going to be perfect, but you're going to make it your goal, and God's working on you to make you better. If you're a scam, you just keep going, and you keep going, and it doesn't bother you. It doesn't matter. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 says, The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he says, is a liar. I know Jesus, but I don't look anything like Jesus. And I don't do anything that he's asked me to do, and I don't really care. You're a liar. You are a liar. You are in a, you're actually in the worst shape of anybody. You know, people who say, I prayed a prayer and um, I asked Jesus to be my Savior, but there's no change. They're the worst people because they say, I've already, I'm already covered. I've already got my, my fire insurance, so I'm going to heaven because I said some words and it's called a prayer. The person who knows they're a sinner is a person you can talk to because they recognize they've done something bad. And they're a lot easier to lead to the Lord than somebody who says, yep, I've already done that. What we really need to do is what Todd read in our scripture reading. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's a genuine imitator of God. It's to do what God's asked me to do. If you want to save your life on this earth, you're going to ultimately lose it. Whoever loses his life for me in the gospel will save it. What good is it to gain the whole world? Being that scam Christian, doing everything I want to do any, any old time I want to, but then going to hell. What good is that going to do me? Not any good at all. When I was a kid, my dad had this t-shirt that I thought was pretty clever as a kid. I got drug all around the school, and I got an ice cream bar for it. I don't know why, but it, it was a black shirt that said, whoever had the most toys when he dies wins. Right? I think I probably brought that up before. And then someone else came with the shirt. Whoever has the most toys when he dies, still dies. Right? It doesn't matter what you have in this life and all the pleasures and trophies and joys that you get if that's all there is. Nobody likes to be scammed. Right? Lord willing, I will never be scammed again. I will double check the, this list of emails and, and see why it's true and why it's false and why I shouldn't be opening it. I'll ask my wife to look at that stuff because she pays better attention to those things anyway. Uh, we can't, but I, we can't be scammed. Some of you might get scammed on the on an email or on a out of a deal. I don't know, but you know who will never get scammed is God. God is never going to get scammed. He says, "I know who the genuine Christians are, or the genuine imitators are, and I know who the scam imitators are, and it is not going to make any difference. I'm going to let these people come to heaven with me, and those people are going to go to hell for eternity." So, if you are if you are not saved, if you recognize I am a scam imitator. Who cares what anybody else in this room thinks or in online? Who cares what anybody else in your room thinks? 
make it right, become a genuine imitator of Jesus, of God by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you are a genuine imitator, right, do your best to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Make perfection your goal. One day you will be perfect up in heaven like Jesus is perfect in heaven. But make it your goal to be a genuine imitation of Jesus and, and start today. You know, from this point on, I, I, uh, it's 11.52. Make it your goal to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And God will bless you for it. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your grace. You know, I look at these things and I know that I don't do them perfectly. I'm still a sinner, even though that I've I've been forgiven and I've asked you to forgive me and I've, I have eternal life. I know I, I still don't live a perfect life. I just pray that you would con continue to help me, show me what's wrong and help me, God, to do what's right. Thank you, God, for the tremendous amount of grace that you have for a guy who, who fails over and over. God, if anybody in here is a scam imitation of you, I just pray that you would convict them of that. Even if they don't tell me, God, they would tell you and they would make that right with you because going to heaven is the only thing and the most important thing that ever counted. God, for all of us who are genuine imitators who are struggling, you know where we struggle at, and I just pray that you'd help us to uh, to do better today. God, help us to, to recognize that temptation, and like Darren said, to find that way out and say no to it. Help us, God, to, to be able to look at, when we, as soon as we see sin, turn it around, uh, turn away from it as quickly as possible, God, and turn to you. I pray for your help. I thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.